Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. that actually i know that uh b has just had her second birthday so happy <laughs> birthday <did>. to beasley <laughs> happy birthday beasley. um yeah so i thought this would be a good conversation we taught we've talked about this like at different times and you guys know sort of danny and i's history when we were dating especially especially post uh divorce post infidelity we we went a little crazy i actually posted about this recently um on instagram just kind of talking about those days back then. And, you know, we, we did share a lot more on stories at that point. I think we were kind of sharing a lot, uh, but we weren't sharing everything. And y'all, mm. it was a little messy behind the scenes for a few years. And, you know, you and I, we had our mantra of, um, you know, what else are you supposed to do? We knew it was transient. We knew it was messy. It was fucking hilarious, like start to finish. Bottom line is it probably wasn't the healthiest coping mechanism. You know, you hear people be like, yeah, I coped with alcohol and sex. And I'm sitting there being like, "Who? what? <laughs> like, that was sort of what we did. But at the end of the day, you go, you know what? We're all human. And that was the point of the post. And I actually emailed my list about it too. And I was just like, look, this is – it was what it was. If you're going through a time like this, if you're going through a life interruption of some kind – you know, try not to judge it. Just try not to judge it. And I remember at the time thinking that when you and I were in that space, I was like, look, I know this isn't like who we are at our core. You know, like yeah, this is maybe this is a part of what we are. This is part of who yeah. we are. And um especially some, like the drinking and stuff. And I know that you didn't really grow up drinking a lot. We have a, like kind of different histories with drinking. Um I grew up in a uh, Irish family a lot of our, and I've talked about this quite a lot with my own siblings, like why are we the way we are? We kind of like always laugh about it and we're kind of like, it's gotten to the point where we just always have a good time when we're drinking. Like it's hardly ever bad. Like I'm at the point now where I like don't get hung over or anything like that anymore. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you only have like good memories, it's hard to be like, I'm not doing that anymore. But mm. I wanted to talk about this, and this is Jill, by the way. I wanted to talk about this because you are coming up on one year of no drinking, so a year of sobriety, and I've sort of pulled back. I've only had a couple of drinks in like the last three or four weeks, um, and I'm I'm liking like the new habit, and I just don't want to be all or nothing with it because I just feel like it's too high stakes for me personally. Like, um, mm -hmm. but I thought maybe we could chat about just how this past year has gone for you. We always used to laugh when people are like, "Stop drinking, you'll feel so much better," and then like the times we have stopped, we like didn't feel any different. We're like, well, then what's the incentive? But you yes. have mentioned that things have changed for you a little bit in the last year. Yeah. So it's funny. While you were talking, I was kind of looking at my calendar because I wasn't sure when the last day, but one of the last times I drank was you came out to Vegas and I'm looking at my calendar. It says, pick up Jill at JSX, October 20th, 2022. So I think it was October 20th or October 21st. So, and today we're recording, I think it's the 15th. I don't even know what today is actually. Um, but I'm coming up on a year and, and any day now um, for no drinking. And the funny thing is, is that this wasn't a goal of mine. It was kind of, I kind of call it an accidental sobriety 
However, it was something that had been on my mind the previous year. So this is kind of like, I feel like two years in the making to make this one year. So your family, actually, it's so funny because one of the, one of the things that kind of was brought up was it was two Christmases ago, we went to South Carolina, North Carolina to have to Christmas, to Christmas with your family. And I remember drinking like from the beginning of the morning till like, we just drank, we drank and drank. And I remember not feeling drunk or buzzed. Like I drank so much and really didn't feel anything. And so there was this point, like after that, um, you after were that like, Christmas, why am I eating, drinking all these calories <laughs> to not feel yeah. anything. I, yes, I was like, man, this sucks. I don't even feel it anymore because while we were single and while we were drinking a lot, it felt good. Like, and this is a big thing, and not everybody has had this experience, but to you and my experience, I have had a lot of positive experiences around alcohol. It hasn't. I didn't stop drinking because. Um, I had negative experiences. I had blackouts. I don't remember, or I was a bad person, like none of that. So it kind of does make it hard to give up something when there's not a lot of negative stuff. Like, like it. you know, you and I were, we weren't like mean drunks. We weren't angry drunks. Yeah. We didn't get into like, you know, fighting matches with people. Like, you know, maybe we, we threw something up on social that we maybe regretted the next day, <laughs> but it wasn't, it was like, we're happy. Things are light. Yes. We're having good conversation. We're laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my associations with drinking were that. Like my very first drinking associations, I, I got drunk in high school and it was fun and and I did a lot of crazy things and it was very much against my family religion. So it was like this rebellious kind of thing. And I drank a lot until I turned 21. And then it's funny because I felt like once I was legally able to drink, I stopped for quite a while. And I got into fitness competitions and there was about seven years I didn't drink at all. I was dating a guy who didn't drink and I was in fitness competitions, so I didn't drink a single drop for at least seven years from like 21 to 28. And then around, right around my early 30s, I started to drink a little bit. And then I met a good friend who was like really into wine. And at that point, I when I was younger, I always thought the point of drinking was to get drunk. So I never just drank to enjoy drinking. I drank to get wasted and just blasted out. And so I had a friend who was kind of into wine and I kind of got to drinking more wine and then found out about the affair, moved to LA, met you, you drank wine here and there. And so then it became this social, fun, relaxing kind of activity. And for five, six years, it was that. Um, unfortunately, in the back of my mind, I knew I've ha I have a uh, blood disorder called hemochromatosis. So my body produces too much iron, but in order to treat it, you just have to give blood and it's not a big, big deal. However, it can be. And most people don't catch it until it's too late. They catch it when they're in their 50s or 60s. And what happens is there's a lot of iron stored in, uh, that builds up in the liver and it can cause liver cancer. And so I have a higher chance to develop liver cancer than the average person. And so after my mom died of cancer, um, the, the year leading up was the year after the Christmas. And so I was already like, alcohol isn't doing that much for me anymore, but I still enjoyed it. And I still liked the activity of, of it. And it was almost more habitual. Like we drank nearly every day of the week, to be honest. Um, we'd have a little bit of wine with dinner. Anytime we went out, we'd order cocktails. And that that was fun too. It was like, what do they have? What kind of cocktail? This will be a new, it's just a fun thing. It's like trying new appetizers and we try new drinks. So this was very, very much I wouldn't ever say a problem, but it was very much a habit and just like built into my lifestyle. Um, and after my mom passed and after I was kind of not, I was like, this isn't really doing anything for me. And now I'm kind of a little bit more scared about cancer. 
I was thinking in the back of my mind, I should drink less. So I definitely decreased my alcohol consumption over 2022. And then um, Jeff and I were going to go to another ayahuasca retreat. If you listen to, I don't know, I think episode 57, 55, somewhere around there, Jill and I did ayahuasca in 2019. And prior to going, they ask you to stop drinking alcohol, I think for seven days, maybe more. I think it's a month. I think um, if they want you to do a complete detox for like a month. I yeah. think you and I were like, well, a week will suffice. Yeah, so, so they have this whole thing, like they want you to eat really very specific, like almost vegetarian, get off no of caffeine. alcohol for, I, th- yeah. I think you're right. I think it is for a month. And I think we only did a week. And then on the flight there, we're like, fuck it. We're going to get sick anyway. Let's just, so we drank on the flight there. So we didn't really take it seriously. And so I was going to go again with Jeff at the end of 2022. And I go, okay, this time I'm going to try a little, I'm going to try a little harder than I did last time. So this time I'll actually cut back on the alcohol. So we left, I think third week in November. So I had a drink with you at the end of October. And then that was like my last before we went to do ayahuasca. And so Jeff and I went, we did our whole week and then we came and they, they asked us, they said, Hey, after you go home, try to go, I think three more days or seven more days. I think one more week. They're just like one more week, just try to stick with it. And then you can go back to your life. And I was like, that's fine. Jeff was out of town. I didn't have anything to do. But after that week was up, um, I was thinking about having a drink or something. And I just like had zero desire. It was literally just gone. And I just was like, huh, this is interesting because everything we'd had, like, we'd always had a drink with dinner. We'd always had a drink going out. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to not have this right now. And it turned into a couple of weeks. And I just started saying, I'm like, kind of to your, like, I didn't want to be black and white or say that I'm going to go sober for any amount of time. So if anyone asks like, well, why are you not drinking? How long? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, if I feel like I want it, I'll drink it. If I don't, I don't. And we had a wedding coming up this summer. And the whole time I was like, okay, when I go to the wedding, if I want to drink there, I probably will. And we got to the wedding and I was just like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't really need anything. And so it's been this slow, um, not wanting it. But what's funny, and I haven't even told you this, it was last month um, when I was at Hair Love Retreat, I really wanted a drink. I finally, like the first time in a while, I've really craved it. And I was going back and forth in my head actually quite a bit on it. I'm like, it really wouldn't be a big deal if I just had a sip or two. Like, not at all. And I don't want to have to say I'm never going to drink again. And then I was thinking, well, maybe Jeff would be upset because he kind of went another way than I did, which he also didn't have any desire. But he said he wants to go a year and see how he feels. And he also got some labs done. Some liver enzymes were really high. And so he's like, I'm going to give it a year and see what happens. So I thought it might be a betrayal to him if I drank at Hair Love Retreat without talking about it. So I didn't. And I got home and he actually had gone to an event and I said, how was not drinking? And he goes, it was really hard. I was really craving it. And I was like, wow, so was I. Like, this is interesting. I go, did you? And he goes, no, I didn't. And I'm like, okay, like you could have. And I said, I told him too. And so we both thought it was interesting that we have been craving it this last month. Um, and we've been talking through it of like, what would feel good about it? Why would we want to do it? How would we feel after? And it's just been this interesting evolution of things because honestly, like I said, we didn't plan to go sober. I know deep down I needed to for my health and it really is a big deal. And so for me at this point, it probably will continue to be just this um, day-to-day choice, like not saying I'll never do it again. But because of I ended up getting um, an ultrasound of my liver again and 
the results were worse, which really pissed me off. I'm like, I haven't drank for a year and I have more tumors than I had last time and bigger ones. So that's very upsetting. So now I'm like, well, I really can't because what if I had been drinking for the year, would I have been even worse, worse, right? Um, Jeff just got his labs done. Actually, I'm really excited about this. He just got his results back, I think on Friday and his liver enzymes were cut in half. And he said, the doctor told him, he goes, Hey man, I didn't want to scare you the last time, but he was like, you were really close to having fatty liver disease. And he was like, you probably should call a doctor. But then I realized I'm your doctor. (laughs) The doctor was like such a weirdo, but his numbers got cut in half in the last year, which was really great. So for both of us, I think it was the right decision for our health for sure. Um, But there is a piece that is like, we do miss that um, feeling of connection and feeling like it's, it loosens us up. And so there is that, and we've talked about this on another episode um, when someone wrote in about, you know, they were pregnant, so they couldn't drink. And it's, it is different when you want to the last and up until September, I haven't really wanted to. So it's been fine. It was very different when I was at this event and I wanted to, and I purposely decided not to. And so I have to figure out what that looks like going forward. Um, But Back to the overall feeling when I see all these posts about people who are sober and they're like, I lost all this weight and I feel great and my sleep is better. I will tell you, none of that fucking happened to me. For the first six months, I felt like complete garbage, like complete garbage. I felt like I was hungover every morning. I felt like I was I was still fucking tired. My sleep wasn't any better. I didn't lose any weight. In fact, I probably gained weight the first four months because I think I was eating more sweets instead of drinking alcohol like definitely craving more shitty food. Um, I didn't like, it just, it wasn't better at first. And so that was definitely not incentive. And it was a bummer too, because I see, I'd read all these posts about how great their skin was so clear. And I'm like, my skin is not clear. Nothing is better. Mental clarity, energy. (laughs) Nothing. About maybe seven, eight months in, I started feeling better. But I think that's because I finally started working out again. And I just don't think the clearing of alcohol helped me at all. And I'm sure like cellular wise, I'm sure if we took a biopsy of my cells, like, yes, absolutely. But I I wanted to share this too, because I think sometimes it could be really discouraging if someone is giving it up and they're like, I can't wait until I feel really good and lose weight and have clear skin. It's like, that might not happen. And it did not happen to me at all. Um, I do think like it made overall... Uh, benefits to my health, or at least it didn't keep me going down the path. Like I said, my liver is worse. So I, you know, actually, we just talked about this yesterday. I was telling Jeff, I'm like, he goes, you think you should have just drank anyway? I'm like, well, no, because if it's worse not drinking, then it probably would have been even more so if I had been drinking. So it's a good thing I'm not, but fuck, it's still very frustrating to me that I felt like I took something away because it was so big. I was doing it every day to clearing, to not doing it at all. And like, not having a huge health benefit was kind of a bummer. And that's, that sucked for sure. But you know, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like alcohol is a poison. So even if nothing changes, you have to trust. It's like going to get an IV, right? You go get Mm -hmm. an IV, vitamin, mineral IV. People are like, didn't you feel amazing? I was like, no, I didn't feel anything. But I always say it has to be working, right? It's like the most bioavailable way to take in vitamins and minerals high dose. Of course, it's Mm -hmm. on a cellular level, of course, it's changing things. It's also hard when you like don't feel really bad to start. You know, it's like, 
you probably didn't feel like terrible all the time, you know? And so you didn't notice a huge change. I think for people who just feel bad all the time, I'm certainly, I'm sure they, they feel they have a difference. For me, it's, it was never about, or it has never been about getting drunk. In fact, I fucking hate feeling like shit in the morning. I hate feeling out of control like that. I hate, I hate the anxiety that you get when you wake up in the morning after you drank too much and you're like, like, what did I miss? Like, what, like what's going on? Like, you just feel like just we, my brother, Dan calls it hangxiety, like hangover anxiety. Mm. And so for me, it's never about that. It's more about, it was more about the habit. It was more like, okay, yes. like it's nighttime or I'm in a launch, right? It would be like whatever triggered that feeling of like, now I can relax with the strength, like any habit, right? So people who overeat, people who, uh, you know, any sort of specific habit, you go, this is the time I would normally do that thing. Whether it's an addiction with, we were talking, we had um, Paige Pritchard on last week talking about overspending, right? So it was a different, unfortunately, when it comes to alcohol, it definitely affects your health way more than like something like over shopping or gambling, but it's still an addiction. And there's always going to be a cue that's going to have you being like, ooh, it's that time I would normally do this thing. Yeah. And so I think being able to sort of disrupt that habit is, for, at least for me, that's the, been the most important part. So just having parameters, having boundaries. I know I haven't really drank much in the last month and that was kind of a conscious choice. And I was like, you know what? We went to Hawaii and I was like, just not really wanting to drink. And so we came back. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to keep this going. But I also don't like the feeling of it feeling high stakes. Like I know mm -hmm. for me, I don't want to be like, well, now it's because if, if the more days go by and the more weeks go by, I don't like that feeling of like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to fail at this thing. And so putting parameters in place like, cool, if we go out to dinner, I'll decide if I want to have a drink at that point. But I'm yeah. not going to have a cocktail while I'm getting ready to go out or like something like that, right? I'm not going to keep it at the house. I'm not going to have a drink when Keith is at work and I'm by myself. Like having parameters and sort of like bumpers in place and sort of like just more, I don't want to say even rules, just more parameters makes things easier. And I haven't missed it at all, but we went this past weekend, my brother got engaged and yeah, of course I had probably less than I normally would, but of course I'm like, it's my family. I like to drink. It was funny though. A couple of people in my family were like, so you're not drinking? And I was like, <laughs> no, I've had like three drinks tonight. <laughs> I'm right. But it's like this weird thing that we do with people when we're like, cause we want them to be drinking. Cause we think if they're drinking, they're, if they're not drinking, they're not having fun. You know, and I'm yeah. sure you've been in plenty of situations. You went to weddings, you've been to social events, and you're like, yeah, I'm having fun. Don't worry about me. Like, I yeah. don't need to drink. But it does bring up insecurities if you're around people who aren't drinking, and, and Keith barely drinks. And so I had to nip this in the bud early in our relationship. I talked about this on the episode he and I did a couple about last month. It's definitely something that I had to get over quickly because I was like, well, why don't you drink too? And then we'll both be bad, right? Or it's like, you know, you go out with a girlfriend and you're like, let's let's get the nachos. Let's both be bad, right? And so mm -hmm. you have to sort of get over this feeling of like – people don't need to drink to have fun and honestly, let them manage that themselves. And so, yeah, yeah. that was kind of funny because I had mentioned to some people in my family, like, oh, I haven't really drank in the last few weeks and then, you know, they want – and I get it, but – I've kind of disrupted the habit and it feels good. But I mean, to your point, nothing has changed. My sleep hasn't changed. Right. My skin hasn't changed. My energy hasn't really changed. You know, I haven't lost weight or anything. It's just is what yeah. it is. I mean, to be honest, the last like two weeks, I've had really shitty sleep. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with drinking because I'm not. And I've had like not shitty sleep in that my I can't sleep, but like really bad nightmares and weird, weird sleep. And so I didn't have that when I was drinking. In fact, it 
to me, in a way, sleep kind of felt easier and better when I was drinking. Like I could fall asleep. Yeah, I could fall asleep easier. Like, I don't know. So, but to your point, the habit was the biggest thing. It's like, it was, we're having a meal. So this is what we do. Or we're going out with the first thing we we look for the cocktails because the waiter's going to come over and say, what do you want to drink? So that's what you order first. And then you look at the rest of the food. So it's just, there's, uh, there were so many triggers and it was interesting being at the wedding because uh, she had to order like a minimum, I think of like $8,500 worth of alcohol for because of the venue. And most of the guests there did not drink. And so I almost felt guilty. I felt like I needed to drink to just like do my part. <laughs> but there was so much. There's, It didn't matter. There would have had to been like 40 alcoholics to even put a dent in a quarter of what she had ordered. So for a moment, I almost drank out of obligation of feeling bad because I'm like, well, no one else is drinking, so we should because there's all these bottles and they're going bad. It's like, wait, why do I have to be the the trash can dumpster because no one else is like, "Ah, I'll take one for the team. But I almost did for that reason, not even because I wanted to. But then I I literally was looking at it and I'm like, it's all going to be trashed anyway. So why does it need to be trashed in my body (laughs) when I just really don't even have the desire to have this? Right. I'm going to poison myself. Like literally, I'm going (laughs) to just poison myself to participate when I don't actually want it. Right. And uh, and God, too, I think part of me now is a little bit scared because it's been so long that I'm afraid that I will go back to my normal amounts where my body was conditioned to, and that will make me so sick because I haven't been used to it, right? So like if I, like at your, at your Christmas, if I drank like an entire bottle or two and I didn't feel anything, my mind would be like, well, I could drink a bottle or two and I'd probably be fucking sick as a dog because I haven't done it in a year. So I, if I do drink, I know I'm going to have to be way more careful because I would likely have like not as much tolerance as I used to. That's a good thing. But you know, it's, (laughs) yeah, but it's, it is really interesting. It's in some ways it makes me sad. Like I wish, I wish alcohol wasn't so bad for us because I feel like it'd be nice to not have any consequences (laughs) of drinking. Um, But on the other hand, I'm, I feel good because just with my health and with my family history and with my own health history, I know it's really not going to be conducive to a lifestyle I want. So, you know, I've we've done a few things like we we bought some non-alcoholic alcohol and just like substituted and have some little fake cocktails uh, here and there. For a minute, we were doing that because it felt like it was kind of replacing the habit. And sometimes it's fine. And then there's been other times where we're just we've gotten used to not having that at all. So not even having a substitute there. But there was a little bit of a a buffer period of like, ooh, we need a mocktail or we need something. And and honestly, kind of right now, I feel like we're both, Jeff and I are both in that place because we were both saying how we were ha- craving it a little more this last, um, mm-hmm. this last month. And so it, he went to this bar and he's like, man, they need to have more, they need to have better options for like non-out, they need to have better NA options. And it's... It is something where we just have to figure out how to how to fill that gap and and fill in that. It's not really for me about um, like having fun. However, I will not say that alcohol does not help you have fun because in a way, some some part of it does. I don't. I want to say it doesn't, but it's not true for me at least. And there was a point where I can't remember where I was at. Maybe it was when I was in Mykonos. Um, I was thinking, how would I be feeling on alcohol right now? And then I tried to make myself just get into that state without drinking. 
So I was like, this is how I would feel if I could just create that state, then I don't need to like depend on the alcohol to create it. And that's possible. It did take a little bit of effort. And there's another funny thing that I noticed, which was when I'm not drinking, when I am drinking, you have the tendency to just want to keep staying out later and later and later. Like, let's keep this going. Let's keep this going. When I'm not drinking, I want to go. I'm done at midnight. Jesus, <laughs> like, okay. midnight at eight. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to I bed. know. It's like, you. Get, I get more bored. I'm like, okay, there's not really anything to do. And so again, it's back to like what my relationship with alcohol is. And okay, it is something that keeps me from being bored, something that keeps me social. It's something to do. It's a habit. And then looking at all those things and kind of like getting to the reality of it. Like, is it really keeping you, giving you something to do? Well, like, yes. And is it keeping you social? Mm, it can, but I can also be social without it. So really just digging into every single thing, like what the stories I were, the stories I told myself about what it was doing for me and kind of working through those. That's been something that's kind of something over the last year that I've really like looked at. And in the same way, like if you've ever fasted, I've done like a full day fast and noticed how many times I reach for food, not because I'm hungry, just because I'm bored. And so a lot of times fasting has just helped me recognize my relationship with food, like when I want it, when I reach for it, why I want what I want. And in this way, being uh, taking alcohol away has made me have to really look at like when I reach for alcohol, why I want it and when I use it. Mm-hmm. And it's just given me a better understanding of of that. Let me and, ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think that we should shame people for drinking? Because I think this is a good question. Like it's objectively a poison, right? It's objectively a toxin. And you have, and I, I do want to validate this, this idea of being like sober curious or, or just even giving up alcohol completely. We're seeing this a lot more with Gen Z. We're seeing a lot more people saying like, I just don't drink. Like, and it being way more accepted than it ever has been. Cause it used to be like, you used to be like the odd man out. You go out and some of you don't drink and people like, what's wrong with you? Like, and it used to really yeah. be people would talk shit and troll you and stuff like that. And I feel like it's becoming way more accepted to be sober. In fact, I actually think it's it's coming off in a, in, in a way a little bit elitist. Like it's kind of like, mm. oh, I don't touch alcohol. Like it's almost like a, a way to be to become self-righteous, which I, I don't think is a bad thing, by the way. And so I guess I'm asking you, should we shame people for drinking because it's objectively shame. bad? Shame, shame, shame. Uh, you know, it's really interesting and maybe – like I, I think this is like how smoking is. I think people kind of do shame people for smoking cigarettes. Um, maybe not openly, but I think there's this like, oh, you smoke and, you know, I'm looking for a rental and it's like, you must not be a smoker. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shaming around smoking. And I, I do see this. Like I've noticed on social media, a lot of posts about sobriety and giving up, so uh, giving up alcohol and then reading the comments of people who are like, I haven't drank for eight years and I don't know why people need it. I don't know what, it's just like this. I don't know why you need it. I don't know why you think it's so good for you. And it's for someone who did drink quite a bit over the last five to seven years. I'm like, I never thought I needed it, but like, it's great. Like you, you're just a nerd. Okay. You don't understand, (laughs) but I don't know. I I have noticed uh, Gen Z doesn't drink as much, and I have noticed it's been more popular to not drink anymore. And I'm wondering if drinking in the next decade will be like smoking, and where people will kind of turn their nose up, like, "Oh, you you drink? Like that's weird." Instead of instead of just the norm, like we go out to dinner and we just assume people grab a drink. Well, maybe in ten years you go out to dinner, and if you order a cocktail, everyone at the table will be like, "Oh, right." Oh. 
But then you know? I'm just like, but also, you know, we know that recreational drugs and even more like psychedelics are way more accepted now too. So or is it, are people just, is it like, okay, Training I don't drink one. anymore, but like, I'm just going to do shrooms all the time. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. Like, and who's to say? And I guess that, that yeah. question about shaming, here's the thing. When I, I have to speak for myself, especially right after the divorce, because for me, it was like 2016, 2017, probably the worst years for me in drinking. And if like no one could shame me more than I already felt ashamed. You know what I mean? Like that was a big reason why I probably was drinking. I didn't know that in the moment, Mm. but looking back, Mm -hmm. it was like I had massive shame, massive embarrassment, um, massive self-esteem issues. So if someone would have shamed me, they would have been saying exactly what I already knew about myself. I already felt like my fucking self-esteem was in the toilet. So I think this also goes to the the conversation around like, do we shame people who overeat or shame people who are obese, thinking that's going to motivate them to quit. And I think at the end of the day, if someone has an alcohol problem, and obviously I'm not an expert at this, so if you are, I'm happy to hear your side of things. If someone's an alcoholic or someone has a drinking issue, chances are they have more shame than you you could even impart on them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because they feel it. So I think I – so my take is – I don't think shaming helps. In fact, I think for people who have a drinking problem, they probably feel more shame than any of us could even imagine. And that's certainly how I felt back then. And so I don't know that shaming publicly or is really effective because you're probably just telling them what they already know deep down. You're probably just reinforcing the fact that they are a piece of shit. I know for me that was like, you know, like like that would have been the thing that I already was like, yeah, deep down I already feel like I'm not good enough. I already feel like I'm not worthy. So mm. so I don't know that it really is effective, but I can see a lot of people doing it and 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 maybe because I'm like, it's a fair question. It's objectively terrible for your health. There's really nothing, even the stuff about like, oh, it helps with heart disease or like what, like a drink a day or red wine, resveratrol, like even all of that's been pretty much debunked. Like the negatives outweigh the positives. So I, but at the same time, I do think that piling on shame only exacerbates the issue. It's probably only going to make the person drink more, to be honest, or eat more yeah. or whatever the vice is. I mean, ultimately, I don't believe shame works for any behavior modification. So like to answer your question, no. But I I can see that it might become a more taboo thing to do. I I really can see that. And I can see people like turning their nose up at maybe or just like giving the side eye like, oh, they drink. Like, hmm. You know, like judging. Totally. Uh, and I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I can see that happening. And it is interesting. You brought up the psychedelics because I, I've noticed this. A lot of um, comedians, so a lot of comedians have podcasts lately. Um, Theo Vaughn is one of them. And I saw this podcast recently where he was talking to a therapist, I want to say, and he um, stopped drinking. He was like, I was worried about it ruining my life and ruining my career. Um, Ron White. I, yeah. You went to Ron White with us, right? Yeah. yeah he quit, we yeah. saw Ron White. He quit that was drinking. like his entire personality. A- Yes. He like always had whiskey on stage. He has an alcohol brand and he stopped drinking as well. And so this has been really, really interesting. Like these big celebrities who are known for drinking and comedians who are in nightclubs. And oftentimes when you go to a comedy show, there's a requirement, like a two drink minimum to order drinks because the more you're drunk, the funnier they'll be, right? But there's this, there's been a really big shift. And I think a mainstream shift. And when celebrities and influencers are stopping drinking and they're posting about it, it tends to affect what other people do, right? They're like, well, so if someone I look up to is not doing it, then I'm not going to. And then 
often that does turn into this like elitist, we're better than you mentality. And I do not have that one bit because to me, I still am a drinker in my mind and I could drink at any time. And just at this moment, I'm not choosing it. And today I'm not choosing it. And maybe tomorrow I will, maybe I won't. So I'm still in this, like, we'll see. And I may never have a drink the rest of my life. And I will still not think I'm better than anyone because I know how easy and what a habit and what fun it could be. And I also know how shitty and strong addictions can be and how they can be so, so hard to break. And I also understand back to, I talked about Gabor Mate in the last, um, in one of our last episodes, his work on trauma and addictions and how so many addictions come from trauma. And so I would never judge anyone or shame them for an addiction, knowing that they likely went through something like you said. Um, if you're drinking a lot, it's probably because you're dealing with something or not using it to not deal with something that's been really, really hard. And our bodies are designed to for survival. And sometimes survival means not thinking about some shit that happened to you that you don't want to think about because it was really, really hard. And so I wouldn't, I would never shame someone. I do see that um, interesting. Like, I agree with you though. I think, like, from a cultural perspective, I think we are in a little bit of a change right now. Like, you know, yeah. you know, I think about a lot of our grandparents, grandfathers specifically. A lot of them had drinking problems, and then, yeah. you know, and then our parents' generation a little bit less, right? But still, kind of there. And then this generation, and then you know, Courtney's generation, your daughter, like even less, right? So, yeah. I, I do think we are seeing a cultural shift. Um, to it maybe being not as accepted, not as mainstream, and certainly not as uh, peer pressured. And, you know, more people just going like, actually, I just want to feel good. And I want to be able to think clearly. And I want to have a long career. And I have different aspirations. And alcohol just doesn't fit into that. And it could be that yeah. simple. And so, I, you know, I think that when we start to see that we saw this shift with smoking, a lot of people quit smoking. It's a good thing. Yeah, I think we do yeah. see this on a larger scale, but alcohol, people quitting alcohol, good thing. You know, and so yeah. I, I think it can be done without shaming individuals. And I think if we're seeing this more cultural shift, I think that only is it's only beneficial. Yeah. And two, I actually want to make one more point about the thing you said that which I think a lot of people might think is the shift from one drug to another. So whether now they're not drinking but they're doing psychedelics. Um, I have obviously, and we've done psychedelics, went to, I, I just shared why, like we went to the jungle, did ayahuasca, which is a, a powerful psychedelic, which is the reason I stopped drinking alcohol, which is also interesting to me because I did it in 2019 and I didn't stop drinking alcohol then. So I, I think if you are like, I want to do ayahuasca, so I stop, it's like, it may or may not, like that just happened to be what happened for us in this last time. But I think ultimately you're consciously ready for something when you're ready for it. And in 2019, I was not ready to give that up. And ayahuasca didn't take that away from me. I still was choosing to actively drink. Um, but I think that the interesting thing with, with psychedelics is whether you're doing mushrooms or um, ayahuasca or ketamine or any of these, these psychedelic compounds is they're generally not um, addictive. And so for the most part, like I was drinking every single night I'm not doing mushrooms every single night or any of these kind of things every single night. It's one of those things where I think you can get what you need from them. And maybe you have a big trip or you get really high or something on one of these kind of um, compounds, but you're generally not doing them as a uh, like replacement or to get rid of feelings or to avoid feelings. Ten maybe These weed. kind of medicines. Yeah. Uh, true, true. These, these kind of medicines tend to make you feel feelings rather than a numb your feelings. And I think alcohol tends to 
have you numb feelings or to avoid. And when you're looking at at least ayahuasca and mushrooms, you're kind of facing those things that you're maybe running from. Mm. And so it's not something you really want to be replacing. And so one of the, you know, and it's, and I'm just going to say this because I think a lot of people would think this and and maybe like Jeff's mom, she was talking to us. She's like, you guys don't do that stuff, do you? And we're like looking at each other like, uh, not this month. But the idea for a lot of us who are raised in the war on drugs and the dare generation and like drugs are bad and they think that, well, you're just replacing one thing for another. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have to say more often than not, nobody is doing mushrooms on a daily basis or ketamine on a daily basis or God forbid, definitely not doing ayahuasca on a daily basis. It's not a kind of recreational fun thing you're doing. Weed is another story. I think there are are people who struggle and they replace one for another. Um, But again, if we're looking at the physical um, consequences of doing weed versus alcohol, I think you're going to at least be healthier with cannabis versus alcohol. So it's like if you're replacing one for another, great, but at least you're not going to have liver failure, cirrhosis or whatever. Like I just, I think the consequences are not as dire or you know, scary. So ultimately I still think even if you replace one for another, you're probably still doing better. (laughs) But I also, I also think you have to learn about these other kind of drugs and compounds before you make the judgment that someone's trading one drug for another. Cause more often than not, um, those aren't the kind of things you're going to get addicted to. And they're not, um, they're not like things that are going to be abused in the same way that people abuse alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. Well, I think this is a good conversation. I am. Um, I want to congratulate you on coming into one year of sobriety. Yay. And uh, I know it takes a lot of courage to do that. And it sounds like it doesn't have to be forever, but at least it is it, one year is a big deal. And uh, yeah. I know Jeff goes on our one year. Should we have a drink? <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll just see. We'll take it we'll one day celebrate. at a time. <laughs> yeah. We'll celebrate our one year with a, with a drink. We'll go out. Oh, that's funny. But yeah. But this is probably a good conversation. For now. I think a lot of yep. people probably have insight on this. If you guys do, feel free to send us a DM at the Best Life Podcast on Instagram. If you guys want us to do more of these kinds of episodes or you have something to add, we would love to hear your two cents. We know it's kind of a hot topic right now. Uh, so happy to hear about all the different nuances, all the things that are coming up for you. Uh, if you agree, disagree, things like that. And we did have a new review. Y'all, we love I'm when you guys leave that. us a review. So if you have not and you are an avid listener, uh, it would mean a ton to us, wherever you listen to podcasts, just go ahead and leave us a five-star review uh, rating and then leave just a couple sentences about what you love about the podcast. This is from Danielle Rep. She said, listen to over 300 episodes. And honestly, Ooh. at this point, this is the only podcast I look forward to listening to. Love, love, love these ladies. Reminds me of my besties. And when I'm missing them, this is the next best thing. Therapeutic in a way you'll only know if you know. Love that. Aw. Thanks, Danielle. That Thanks, is so Danielle. appreciative. And I always think that it's really nice that a lot of the theme is that people are listening to their girlfriends. And um, because that's what it is. We're besties. And we want you guys to know that it. you're our besties. And we so, so appreciate you being here and the time and attention that you give to our ramblings. And like we said, we never said we were an expert in anything. We said sometimes insightful, real, raw, sometimes insightful. So we all know what the deal is uh, if you're listening to this. And we just so appreciate you guys. So that's all we got for you. We'll see you on the next episode. Love it. Bye, guys. Bye.